Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Uh, so we've been interviewing guests from around the world. Uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing uh, my friend, Mark Smith, who's actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, but he became a digital nomad, and now he's actually in the other side of Canada in Toronto. Uh, but uh, he, he pretty much travels throughout the year to different parts of the U.S. and beyond. Uh, I actually had the uh, pleasure of interviewing Mark when, when really at the beginning at a Back in 2012, uh, I did a Google Hangout with him, and I'll put a link there, and you can watch the before five years ago, and now the after in 2017. Uh, so, Mark, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners and viewers who don't know you personally. If you can talk about yourself and uh, how you got into uh, becoming a digital nomad. Sure. Well, um, so I guess basically I'm from BC, and uh, uh, since 2005, I own my own event production company. So I produced uh, corporate gala events amongst other things, and uh, over the, you know, the, the 2012, it was pretty successful, pretty, um, you know, did well, rock, had a little bit of a rocky start in 2008, 2009, of course, with the uh, with the recession, but um, jumped onto Twitter in 2000, I grow my network, and it was a very strategic um, plan with social media to uh, to grow a, a network and an, op uh, an opportunity to do more business in, in Vancouver. But uh, by the time I hit uh, the spring of 2012, to be honest, I was done. Um, I was ready to uh, have a, a new challenge, a different chapter in my life. Didn't know what that was going to be. And um, just sort of randomly threw out into, uh, into Facebook that, uh, that I was looking for uh, something to do in the day because I was, um, was a little bored and a little kind of, you know, in the routine of day-to-day -day life. And I uh, threw it out on Facebook to give people a, uh, the opportunity to tell me what to do for a day. And uh, I was flooded with really great suggestions. And from that, my 30-day adventure was born. And so I committed as of July 1st, or June 1st, sorry, um, for 30 days straight to do a different adventure that was a crowdsourced idea from my, um, from my, uh, from my community. And uh, I would go and do it. I would bring the person who made that suggestion with me. And then I would document it, photograph it, and share it on my blog the next day. And that's how 30dayadventures.ca began. And actually, I was on one of those adventures with Mark, uh, actually two of them. Uh, so uh, Mark used to run something called 30 Days of Kindness, and uh, I went out to uh, the mall and then uh, gave uh, the people at the mall uh, some hot chocolate. And we also did an another one uh, where we helped the homeless people in uh, the downtown east side by taking them on a limo ride around Stanley Park and then treating them to a nice uh, lunch. Uh, so yes. definitely, Mark, you've been inspiring uh, to see where you've gone from just starting the 30-day uh, adventures based out of Vancouver. You were doing food trucks and you were doing the, uh, the sightseeing in Vancouver. Then you started them doing in BC. Then you went over to Hawaii and London and uh, pretty much everywhere in the US. So tell us a little bit about um, how you started small and how did you grow? Right, well, I've always been of the opinion that, um, uh, that you know, in my, with the blog, the most important person in my, in my business is actually the reader. So I have been following the readers. So as my audience grew, uh, bigger and new opportunities came up. Um, but basically, because my audience in the beginning was very West Coast based, I made sure that most of the things that I did were from the West Coast. And, um, you know, not everyone necessarily agrees with my opinion, but I am so over with the entitlement that um, people, because they think they have one or two followers, that they're entitled to stuff drives me crazy. Uh, so in the first year or so of my of my blog, I actually self-funded 90% of what I did. Um, I did reach out to some attraction um, 
uh, for some assistance and things like that. But most of my stuff I self-funded and especially because, um, especially food. Um, I, in the early days, especially, I was never hosted. I always paid for my own meal and I highly disagree with people, especially when they're starting out expecting, um, businesses to fork over free just because they're going to write a story about them. No, no, no. You have to earn it. So I'm a big fan of going out, doing the work, building an audience. And then once you have an audience that's um, significant enough and relevant enough to the businesses that you're going to be documenting, then we can have a conversation about um, whether or not the trip is going to be supported or whether there'll be an exchange of services. But um, yeah, so I self-funded for the first sort of year and a half. And as my numbers grew, uh, then I started doing bigger and better things. I attended a conference in Toronto called TBEX, um, which I've only attended once. Um, but that conference, uh, I made all the connections that I needed to, um, so, to, um, to organize a couple of years later to a trip to Louisiana. I've done four or five trips to Hawaii in the years. Um, you know, I've done lots of California trips, Florida. So a lot of uh, connections. Idaho um, was actually my first U.S. destination that I visited with the blog. And I actually had a great time. But, you know, it's just uh, all of those connections were made sort of one, one reader at a time, one destination at a time. And it involves a lot of hard work on my part. Yeah, and I, I can definitely resonate with the whole idea of uh, working hard at the beginning and paying uh, for the stuff at the beginning. And then, uh, you know, you'll start to get some complimentary stuff and then some paid stuff. So don't expect the world to serve you when you first begin. So definitely agree uh, on yeah. that regard. Uh, yeah, tell us about uh, a little bit about the digital nomad side of things. So uh, now you're pretty much location independent and uh, earning income online. A lot of bloggers, they try, um, um, as myself, have tried to make a full-time income as a blogger. And honestly, I, I still haven't achieved uh, making a full-time income as a blogger only. I got to still do my uh, Skype coaching. I got to do my masterminding. I got to I have my online courses, my Kindle books, my affiliate marketing. So it's be, uh, pretty much been a tough journey to make it as a full-time blogger. So tell us a little bit about your up-and-down journey and where you're at currently. All right. Well, I think that um, I think expectations that you're going to be able to earn um, the income that you need from one simple revenue stream is really outdated um, thought process um, until you're massive. And I mean massive. Um, very few people are going to earn their income 100% um, from a monetized blog. Um, and that's just the way it is. And quite honestly, if you only rely upon one revenue stream, what happens when that revenue stream disappears? So the digital nomad for me happened... Um, up until up until June of last year, I have been uh, you know doing my trips, and then I'd come back to Vancouver to my place that I'd lived in for over almost seven years, you know, for a week or two weeks or whatever the in between portion of my traveling would be. Uh, however, the people that owned my unit um, were moving back to BC, couldn't afford a new a new place, and so we're taking possession back, um, so which that gave me some options, um, and those options were. One, do I find another place in Vancouver, which I've, and I've lived in Vancouver for just over 26 years. Uh, two, do I um, maybe decide not to get a place in Vancouver, put some stuff in storage. But then the decision is, well, if that's the situation, where do I go? And for me, in the short term, Toronto is actually a place um, where I need to be. So in between my trips, I relocate back to Toronto. 
Um, I don't have a permanent address location in Toronto. I'm, uh, um, I don't want to say luck because I don't believe in luck. I've worked really, really hard, uh, but I have some really great um, friends and connections here in Toronto. And so I've been able to stay with them. Um, right now, I'm currently renting a lovely little um, uh, bedroom unit off of uh, in Leslieville. So I'm here for two at that place for two months. But I've kind of moved around the city. I've stayed on the Danforth. I've stayed on Queen's Key on the water. I've been up in Cabbage Town in the Garden District. I've kind of been all over the place. Um, but in the, but also, I've been to Florida. I've been to Jamaica. I've been to Hawaii. I've uh, road tripped all over southern Ontario. I uh, just came back from Quebec. And next week, I'm off to Niagara on the Lake for two days. And then I go to Cuba for uh, just over a week. So, um, you know, these are... Uh, so that's really, you know, kind of the digital aspect of things. I mean, right now, um, I don't have a physical address, but Toronto is my short-term home. But um, mm -hmm. but that can change. That can change in a moment. This is what happens. They don't have to give notice. I can literally just pack my bags and hop somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. If uh, tell me, us. Yeah. I don't know if that answered all the questions, but maybe go deeper and I'll go. Uh Maybe elaborate more on the income side of things. I know you've done some innovative stuff, like uh, you used to get some sponsors in your blog to sponsor like 30-day uh, segments. Uh, like I know Patax was one of your major sponsors. Uh, I know you've done some advertising on your site. Uh, tell us all about uh, some of the multiple yeah. income streams. Yeah, well, you know, I think everyone's different. Everyone has a different skill set. So uh, every blog or every digital nomad content creator is going to be different, and what works for them is going to be different. So for me... Um, I speak. Um, I just uh, finished uh, two uh, workshops that I did at the Travel Media Association of Canada's uh, annual conference. Uh, next week, I'm speaking again in Niagara on the Lake. That is a paid um, opportunity for me. Um, I'm negotiating a keynote address in, um, in October, again here in October, and then also speaking at a tourism summit in November. So those are, um, those are speaking and, and paid opportunities. There's, uh, you know, I'm also doing occasional workshops within various regional tourism um, districts here in Ontario that um, they've asked me to come in. And so a lot of that is my experience with um, as a former event producer, but also from the media side about how, helping these uh, areas and these tourism partners, um, how to work better with media, and especially on the digital side and helping them to, um, you know, to get the most out of those experiences. But, you know, on the, on the other hand, I, you know, I do do a little bit of affiliate. It's not a big portion, but I've got a little bit. I do do some advertising. Um, what worked for me two years ago doesn't work today. So I no longer really um, spend a lot of energy looking for corporate um, sponsors for trips. Um, but, you know, if one falls in my lap, I certainly take it. Again, there's everyone's different. So, you know, I do a few things. I've done a couple of Instagram takeovers. Would I do more? Sure. But I don't... Um, I'm really focusing on uh, on the speaking, the workshops, um, and that uh, that is that's really where most of my energy is going. But I've got a few things in a bunch of different places as well. Awesome. So uh, uh, for those of us, um, um, you know, like myself, who've been travel blogging and want to get in more into the speaking circuit, uh, you know, uh, sharing about our experience and expertise, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers also want to become uh, speakers, um, tell us about uh, your methodology and how you can do that and how can people get more speaking, especially paid speaking, because it's fairly easy to speak at meetups around the world and uh, pretty much anyone will take you, uh, if you're an international speaker, to speak for free. But it's one thing to go from uh, free speaking to paid speaking. So uh, any tips in that regard, Mark? Um, well, I 
again, you have to start at the beginning. So you start speaking for free. You start building your name. You build a reputation, and then you network. So um, I don't think everyone's entitled to speak at our events. Um, I don't know if anyone's, um, you know, are you a good speaker? Telling story. So just because you want to do something doesn't mean you should be able to do it. So get to work, um, you know, build a network. I had, I've been in this BC for over 26 years. Um, and quite honestly, speaking in BC wasn't going to happen. Um, I needed to leave BC to really... Um, take my business and my brand to the next level. So I've made that choice. I've come to Ontario. And since I'm um, spending time here since um, really the end of September last year, I mean, I've worked my tail off. So, um, you know, I'm squeezing this interview in with you now in between three meetings today and writing a story and um, shooting a short little video for um, uh, on CBC in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, again, you have to do the work yourself. Everyone who thinks that they can wake up, they get 10,000 Twitter followers, and that they're going to be a speaker at a conference is smoking some BC weed. So um, start speaking for free, have a compelling story, and then network, network, network. Nothing happens without hard work. So sorry, I'm being a little bit of a, but I'm really tired of people want, thinking that this life is easy and that they are entitled to having it without doing anything to get there. And uh, so I just, yeah, so I really want to crack some eggs. <laughs> yeah, you know, crack away. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people who start off, they, are, they feel that they can just, uh, they see maybe someone like yourself or me who are traveling the world and we're getting free stuff or press trips and they're, they're, they're thinking, okay, if I start, can I get a, traf a press trip next week or next month? And the reality is, like, we were both in Vancouver for years, building up our brands. I mean, I started around the same time you did. I was speaking for free, running events, uh, hustling, 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 hustling. We would go a lot of the same events together. And now here we are in different parts of North America. Uh, North, I'm in South America. Uh, Mark's over there in North America. And well, we're uh, finally there, if you want to call it that. Well, just to be clear, there's no such thing as free. A press trip is not a free trip. There is work. You know, I mean, when I go to like, for example, on my trip to Jamaica, I was there for five days. I wrote five stories. I did probably 25 to 35 social posts. So it was not me laying on a beach, drinking um, red stripe uh, beer and, you know, watching all the attractive boys walk by me. No, no, no. It was, okay, I got up early, I grabbed my laptop, I went down, I wrote, I took photos of the food that I ate, and then, oh, okay, got back to the room, I had to take a shower, and then, of course, and I had to make sure I had the right stuff, because then we were spending eight hours on a bus, touring three different resorts and other different attractions, and then it was, oh, stopping for lunch, taking more photos, documenting all of the notes that I needed to have, and then, again, back on the bus, and then, you know, so, again, this was not a vacation. A vacation is, you know, a free trip is when you win something with like, um, you know, the lottery or something, and you can just show up, have a good time, your feet get put up, and you can just relax. But no, 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 I, on my, on the trips, like, for example, the trip to Hawaii that I just had, you know, I mean, I had a great time, do not get me wrong, I love what I do, but man, those were 12 and 14 hour days, and you're always, always on. So the difference for a work trip for me and a vacation are very, very simple. A work trip, I will zip line, I will rock climb, I will kayak, <laughs> I will, you know, I will do four restaurants in two hours, you know, to do a food tour. I will do brewery tour. A vacation, I want a beach, 
and I want a cocktail, and that is all I want. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, no such know, thing so as a free lunch. <laughs> because even free no lunches, you got to write about them as a, a travel or food blogger. Exactly, exactly. So, Mark, uh, uh, I, I know yeah, you're going to probably repeat us some of the same stuff, but uh, I've asked you about travel blogging and about uh, page speaking gigs. I want to ask you about the whole uh, press trip uh, side of things. Because people do, uh, people who want to uh, do more travel blogging, they would like to do tr uh, press trips. So obviously, yes, like okay. you said, you got to establish yourself, build your network, network. Yep. Um, uh, but in terms of the kind of the more practical steps of getting a press trip, maybe you can walk us through the like. For example, how did you do uh, your Jamaica trip, or who did you contact? What was the process like? How long did it take? How much convincing right. did you have to do? Right. Okay. Well, so Jamaica is a bad example because. I had a pre-existing relationship with the agency that represents um, the, uh, the destination that hosted me. So they actually emailed or they invited me on that particular trip. But, um, but for example, um, like I just recently went to Quebec. So I knew I was speaking at a conference in Quebec. And um, so what I did was I reached out. Um, I literally went to Quebec Tourism's website. I looked for the link for media. I clicked on the media page. I found out the name of the person that handles media requests for Canada, for Quebec. And then I just started the process. I already have a media kit. If you do not have a media kit, do not ask for press trips. If, if, you, do not have, um, if you do not know the demographics of your audience, do not ask to do, go on a press trip. If you don't have that basic, basic stuff, no destination is going to host you. So, um, yeah, so my... Biggest recommendation, and here's another thing. I love helping people out, and I am always more than happy to share what I've learned. Um, but it needs to, you need to do some work. Don't put on Facebook that you're looking for the contact person for the name for Hawaii Tourism. If you go to Hawaii Tourism's website, it is right there. So um, destinations, all you need to do is go onto the page, look for the media tab, and it'll say media stay request. Every destination will require you. I don't care if you're Oprah. If you're Martha Stewart or if you're Mark Smith or Ricky Shetty, you will be required to fill out a tourism um, media stay request form. You filled it out many times, I'm sure. I fill them out all the time. Yes, and, basic, and basically what that asks for, it asks for all the, the, the basic info about your blog and, your, and who you are. It asks for all of your social numbers. It asks for all of your blog stats. It asks for the time of the year that your trip is looking to go. It's asking for the type of support that you're looking for. Are you looking for air for a rental car, hotel accommodations, itinerary support, etc.? cetera, um, which doesn't mean just because you've asked doesn't mean that they will give it to you. Um, but then it also um, asks what types of stories will you be doing? So are the stories guaranteed? So for example, for me, with the way that my blog is formed, um, like with, uh, with Hawaii, with Quebec, with whatever, I told them how many stories based on the amount of time that I was going to be in the destination, how many stories I would be producing and roughly the, uh, the publishing date of that. So again, it's, I'm being very specific and I'm being very, very clear about um, what the exchange of goods and services is going to be. They're going to fly me in, put me up at hotels, provide me with a rental car and some itinerary and some um, tour activities and some meal assistance because my numbers um, have warranted that. Um, and in exchange, this is what I'll be doing live social. I'll be doing um, my blog posts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but it, this is a business deal. This is a business relationship with these destinations. And so uh, you need to approach it that way. 
and you need to have a media kit. It doesn't have to, like mine's 12 pages long. It doesn't have to be 12 pages, but it should, um, but it really should have all of the important information. It should have work examples. Um, it should have um, any testimonials. It should have all your social members. It should have your demographics and your audience and all of that stuff. Um, you know, so have that, have screen captures of your Google. If you don't have Google Analytics, you need to get on Google Analytics and they will always require a screen capture of the most recent three months. So, um, you know, and here's another uh, pitch tip. If you're pitching a destination, because I hear this all the time from destinations. So let's just say you are wanting to go to a sunny, hot destination, because who doesn't, um, especially mm -hmm. when it's in the rainy, wet fall and winter months. So you want to go to the sunny destination and you're not necessarily a travel blogger, maybe your lifestyle, maybe your fashion, your beauty, your family, uh, parent blog, et cetera, et cetera. Not all good. But when you pitch that destination, 90% of the time, these destinations tell me that these pitches come off as sounding like you want a free vacation. When in reality, um, so they need you to do some work. So when you go to a destination's website, Daytona Beach, Fort Lauderdale, um, mm. Maui, um, they will very clearly display on their homepage the types of things that, they're, that they really focus their marketing initiatives on. Culinary, adventure, um, is there a vibrant craft beer scene, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you are writing about things that don't pertain to those marketing initiatives, unless you find a way to tie that in, they're probably not going to support you. Um, I've, I've heard this story, and I don't want to say the destination, but I've heard the story of a hot, sunny destination receiving a pitch from a fashion blogger that basically it came across that she just wanted a free weekend with her boyfriend. And she says she was going to write a, a story and da, da 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 What she should have done was she says, I'm very excited about coming down. I'm, I'm doing a story on the perfect beach or the perfect bikinis and cover-ups for your beach vacations, um, you know, she should have angled all of her fashion stories that she was going to be doing fashion posts, but she wanted to use the destination as the backdrop. And so that opportunity to sort of, I want to, I'm going to highlight your destination in all of the things that I do. So maybe they would take care of hotels, but they wouldn't be taking care of um, restaurants unless it was like how to dress up for your beach vacation. You know I mean? So you got to, you got to work at, um, you know, because, um, for example, Quebec City, when I met with the marketing people for Quebec City, they host over 500 people a year. Mm. So there's 365 days a year. 500, <laughs> that means that they are hosting at least on any given day, one journalist. And if you think about it, if they've hosted 500, how many people have asked? So for them to have to go through a whole bunch of work just to find where the story opportunity is from you, they're going to just... It, unless, unless you've given it to them right up front, they're going to just say no. So there you go. Those are some beautiful tips. Definitely the story angle is important. Uh, finding out what their needs are, uh, because I know, for example, you do a lot of uh, uh, gay and lesbian travel, uh, and uh, there's some destinations that are specifically focused on getting that segment, right? Um, so Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned the story angle. Uh, tell us about the LGBT uh, areas that are most friendly, because I know you had a bad <laughs> experience over there in Jamaica. Tell us about the no, good no, no. ones and the bad ones. Yeah. Actually, I had a good experience in Jamaica, what I, um, but what I posted, I posted in all my Jamaican stories, is that they're, um, uh, I did an all-inclusive, which is pretty, um, you know, 
and all inclusive, it's its own little world. Uh, so the hotel was great, the staff were great. Everyone I met was amazingly fantastic, and I was solo, so it's not like I went um, with a boyfriend or a partner or something like that. So um, mm-hmm. maybe if I had, maybe it would have been a different experience. Um, so I just literally posted on mine that Jamaica is one of um, the most homophobic countries on the if you want to go um, on a romantic um, getaway with your, maybe Jamaica is not the choice for you if you're a gay man. Uh, unless, of course, you want to do an all-inclusive. In all honesty, I've had a bad experience in any destination. I've had the odd bad example with an individual, but that's not an individual. Because, you know, there's a, there are jerks everywhere in the world, and there are fantastic people everywhere in the world. So mm-hmm. I've never had a bad destination experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, would I go to Russia? No. Would mm-hmm. I, I go to, um, but would I, and, you know, homosexuality is not very well thought of in those countries, but I would love to go. And I just want to go in and part of, I actually had some critiques from um, some friends of mine that actually were upset that I went to Jamaica they live in Jamaica when it's not a very LGBT friendly destination. And part of my response was it's a job to go and experience things. That is what I do and share those experiences. So I can't because somebody else has been there and said something, punch in myself. My job is actually so that's what I went. Again, I had a great experience in Jamaica, but I witnessed some homophobia for sure. And, you know, um, so you really need to adjust that for yourself. Do, you know, I think you also need to be culturally um, sensitive. So if you are, um, you know, I hear all those terrible stories about entitled, um, you know, tourists going to these um, amazingly sacred places and then dropping their shorts to do a, a moonshot or, you know, whatever. To me, that is, that is, that is disrespect the other way around, right? So I think mm. that I want, um, you know, so for me, LGBT travel has been great. I haven't had any bad experiences. Uh, I'm sure I will at some point in time, but it's going to be with an individual, not a destination. Uh, great tips there. So definitely avoid Russia and maybe the Middle East or some ultra-religious areas uh, over there. Uh, Mark, uh, you travel light, uh, which is a, a, oh, yes. <laughs> a, a struggle that a lot of uh, travelers uh, uh, face uh, carrying and lugging around a lot of stuff. So, if you could share a little bit about your uh, packing methodology and how you manage to travel all these places with just a carry-on only. Yes. Okay. So, really, really simple. If you only go on one vacation a year, you're going to overpack and you're never going to learn any different. When you travel as much as I do, as much as, as you and your family do, you learn. Mm-hmm. You can do yes. without a whole lot of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, when I first arrived in Toronto last fall, I wore the same long sleeve shirt to three events. <laughs> and, you know, in Vancouver, that would have been embarrassing and everything else. But here, I'm like, eh, it's fine. Because I knew I was going to tons of summer destinations, so I didn't want to have a whole bunch of long sleeve shirts um, taking up space in my backpack. So, um, you know, I really just sort of... Um, I just pack what I think is the essential things. And, you know, um, like recently, I actually swapped out half of the clothes. Um, I threw them out because I, you know, they were getting a bit worn. So I, you know, and actually, I know, again, this is weird because I'm a, I love me some good brands. I like me my 
Colt Renfrew and my uh, and uh, all the other places. I went to Winners. I only dropped. I think I dropped one hundred and fifty dollars, and I bought like you know three shirts, a couple of T-shirts, and like three pairs of shorts. Like you know, so I just basically swapped out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so my um, my sort of packing tips are everything has to have a multiple purpose. So, um, you know, I have shorts that can be casual, but can also go to a nice restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. Not every pair of shorts can go to a fancy restaurant, but you know, you have, you have degrees, right? So I have some that are, I can go from a day hike to a bistro. Um, you know, I have polo shirts because, you know, the collars, they're but- they can button. And so as a result, I can go to a nicer restaurant with a polo shirt, but I can also use, wear that polo shirt at a brewery tour all day when I may not want to have like a more, you know, iron shirt. Um, I, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't travel with a lot of shoes, which I know a lot of women are going to complain about. But uh, I have, um, but you know, again, my footwear, I find is relatively neutral. So it can go from casual to a little dressier. Um, I, uh, and then the other thing is, every seven days, you do laundry. <laughs> you know, you do a lot, you do laundry at home. So you have, of course, you're going to have to do laundry on the road. So again, when you, you know, I always make sure that I have enough clothes to carry through, uh, uh, to carry through a trip. And then basically, I make sure that uh, I try, I tend to choose a lot of places whenever possible that have um, on facility laundry. So, you know, I get back from a day of great activity. And then I just, you know, I'm, I organize my photos while my photos are downloading and sorting, you know, I'm doing a load of laundry. And the great thing is, because I travel so late, I am usually only doing one, one load mm-hmm. of laundry. Mm-hmm. Uh, some great tips about packing light. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend, uh, you know, uh, on the road, you can buy whatever you need. Uh, I definitely recommend uh, switching up clothes every now and then. Uh, the other, other big tip that I do is I have shorts, and the shorts are actually convertible to pants. So I have yes. a, a shorts that actually have a zipper at the knees, and uh, I use those quite a bit because uh, some days I don't know if it's going to be cold or hot or if I'm going to be a formal or informal place. So I'll wear the shorts, and I'll carry the, the little leg parts uh, in my pocket, actually, and then I can just... Uh, quickly zip them up and boom, I have pants. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Yeah. So Mark, uh, to end off with here, tell us a little bit about the future now. Uh, you, you build up the 30 Day Adventures brand. You build up the Mark uh, Smith uh, speaking uh, and workshop career. Tell us about where do you see your future uh, in the next uh, few years? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I don't know what the future has in store for me. So I'm just working hard. Um, I'm continuing. I see a lot more speaking. I see a lot more travel. Um, I'm really actually hoping to integrate together. Um, to, uh, you know, as I, as I'm, I don't, and I'm actually speaking, I want to speak outside of tourism. I think there's lots of parts of my story that are relevant to other industries and um, and about just creativity and social innovation and and that and, and building a tribe and a community. So um, for me, I'm not really focusing on tourism conferences, but um, I think that there's lots of great opportunities. So like if I'm going to be flown to a city this week, I might as well add a week and just explore the city and work with the tourism board to uh, to do some additional stuff. So I see a lot more speaking. I see a lot more traveling. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I've done lots of Canada and I've done the U.S. and I've done a little bit in, in England. Um, so I really want to I really want to explore a lot more of Europe um, and, you know, when I'm ready, Asian and everything. I mean, every place I'm willing to go. I want to go. Mm-hmm. So um, but there's still so much to see and do. So I think the next two years is just going to continue more travels to places I've never been. And hopefully lots of really great talks. 
Definitely super inspiring, Mark. Thanks for sharing your wealth of info about press trips and speaking and travel blogging and uh, gay travel and also packing light. Uh, so, Mark, if people want to find you online, connect with you, uh, befriend you on social media, how can they do that? Yep, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Mark Smith, and I'm Mark with a C, so the French way. Um, you can find me on Facebook at 30 Day Adventures. Uh, and of course, you can always find the blog that has links to all of my platforms at 30dayadventures.ca. Yeah, make sure you check out 30dayadventures.ca. Make sure you connect with Mark. Uh, he's, he's very willing to give back and help out uh, for those who are just starting. And you know, Mark's made his travel dreams come true. I've made my travel dreams come true. And I know you listening and you watching can make your travel dreams come true as well.